does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 17 minutes. Fabulous song, by the way. Before the hour of 8 o'clock, Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton. Really good-looking Tuesday morning. Good morning to you. Hope you are set for what looks to be a sun-kissed and warm day today, at least by January standards. Um, and the... Coaching search for the Colts continues on this Tuesday, and perhaps like today's weather, Kevin, with each day it becomes a little bit more clear versus days past, but now we have a a better idea. It feels like, and they are clearly casting a wide net. Now, the ultimate question is going to become, as Chris Ballard goes through and interviews a number of different people from different franchises and different sides of the football how much of that recommendation is Jim Irsay going to take to heart? But uh, a couple of names yesterday that came about and a couple of them, I think, that actually got people kind of excited at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'll, I'll start here, Jake. I uh, I guess I don't know how much credit Chris Bauer deserves for this, but I think it's very smart how Chris Bauer is operating in this head coaching search. You know, I know there's a level of impatience that naturally we all have as humans, so you, you want to see more of a final list or you want to see – uh, hey, you know, who who's the favorite so far? I mean, Chris Ballard made this very clear from day one. They will be extremely patient, which I think is smart. Like, you know, when you are a bad football team and you fire your head coach, you are afforded the opportunity to have this sort of interview process. So use it to your advantage. Interview tons of candidates. Even if you don't have, like, an immense amount of interest in a particular candidate, at the very least, Jake, I look at it as... Why not have that person, you know, on Zoom for three hours? And I might get some intel on that person, on their organization, on who they like around the league, on who they don't like around the league. To me, I look at it as a tremendous opportunity to just gather information on what's thought to be a lot of, again, impressive young minds around the NFL. So 10 candidates, theoretically, Jeff Saturday, I guess, is number 11. They've interviewed seven so far. Um, three more on the list. Again, just kind of briefly go over them from yesterday. D'Amico Ryan's a defensive coordinator from the 49ers. That is the best defense in the NFL from a yards and point standpoint. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's played in the NFL for about a decade, two-time Pro Bowler. Again, thought really highly around the league. I think four of the five um, teams that have openings right now would like to interview him. They play on Sunday. It sounds like he'll interview with the Broncos on Thursday, the Texans on Friday. We'll see where the Colts and the Cardinals then fit into that. Um, and then two people from the New York Giants, uh, Wink Martindale, their, their defensive coordinator. We think he's Bruce Arians' long-lost cousin. Um, just a great look to him. 59 years old, the oldest candidate, heavy defensive background, extremely aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is the only team that reportedly has interest in him so far. Uh, And then their offensive coordinator with the Giants, that would be Mike Kafka. He is the youngest of the 10 candidates, 35 years old. Kafka, to me, Jake, is an interesting resume. Um, Again, he is the offensive coordinator and the play caller for Brian Dable with the Giants. The previous four years, he was Patrick Mahomes' position coach was elevated to Kansas City's passing game coordinator each of the last two years. For our diehard Big Ten football fans out there, um, they will probably remember the Kafka name, played at Northwestern. Um, I don't know about you guys, but if you told me right now to name two New York Giants wide receivers and or tight ends, I could not do it. Boy, yeah. They have no talent outside of Saquon Barkley at the skill positions and yet they just put up 31 points in a game where Barkley, I think, had nine carries. Like I, I And they're creative in the way that they get the ball. Extremely creative. Right? Yeah. Daniel Jones, they've done a great Kafka's done a great job in getting him to not turn the ball over. And they've really turned him into like a runner. I mean, he's I think he's doubled kind of his carry. So that is a name of you think of a Zach Taylor, 
You think of a Sean McVay. You think of these kind of young offensive minds. Worked under Andy Reid. Him and Chris Bauer did not have any overlap in Kansas City, but that's a name that I am intrigued by along with D'Amico Ryans. Let me read you what Dave asked us, and I think this is a fair point. Guys, the number of interviews for head coaches is ridiculous. It reeks of the Colts hiring Saturday and coming back with, after an exhaustive search, Sean Payton having no interest is very telling, he says. Your thoughts? Well, on, on the Payton front, you know, he made it clear from his own side, you know, he wants a very stable ownership situation. Um, I think he probably wants a known quarterback situation too, right? Well, he interviewed with the Texans yesterday, they said. Well, yeah, and that's but the Texans at least have the number one yeah. pick, I guess. But yeah, for now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, two, I guess, technically, but yeah. Um, oh, I th- two, yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. A question I have with Sean Payton, and boy, he was really transparent yesterday with Colin Coward explaining his situation. He said the compensation for him he has heard is a mid to late first round pick. And I guess the Colts have an early second round pick, but again, you have to trade for him. So I think it's right. kind of a two way street with Payton. I'm not like going home on that interest. I I push back a little bit with, with Dave. I have no problem with the Colts wanting to interview as many candidates as possible. Again, Jake, even if you're not going to hire these people. Get intel. There Learn some, more yeah. about these people around the NFL. Learn more about organizations. Maybe you get to tap into the New York Giants and say, all right, what has Brian Dable brought to you guys that you are going to bring here? And even if you don't hire those candidates, you're jotting those notes down, and you hire a candidate from wherever, the Rams, and you take the intel you got from that Giants interview, and if you're Chris Bauer, you say, hey, have you thought about it like this? Or you could be interviewing some of these candidates also to be coordinators. For your staff. So I have no issue in wanting to interview a lot of people. And honestly, Jake, I'll just sneak this in. The more people you interview, the more candidates you see and you find good ones, you present that to Jim Irsay, and then maybe he views Jeff Saturday in a different light. Now, the comparison I've always felt, and maybe it's because of the age that I am right now, and a lot of my friends have kids, or my sister, for that matter, have kids. You know, in the college, late high school, looking at colleges. But you hear this a lot. You know, Rosie's taking a college visitation on Thursday to go take a look at Kenyon College, and you're like, "Oh, Kenyon!" So does Pacers it, keep on losing? That's where Max could be heading. A <laughs> lot of interest in Kenyon. They're in Wabash's and college, then, aren't they? Or a conference? Probably. Same size school, right? And then, well, they're not necessarily, you know, she's not necessarily overly interested in that school, but wants to get familiar with the process, right? Like, you know, they they came and they set up a table in the cafeteria and it was kind of of interest. So we just kind of want to get familiar with the process of applying to schools and, you know, see if indeed there's something you like. There's probably a little bit of that on both sides of the coin when it comes to head coaching interviews. There are probably some coaches. It's not necessarily that they think that they are legitimately a candidate for the Indianapolis Colts or the, you know, in Carolina Panthers or Denver Broncos, as much as they've now started to think about that part of their career. So they want to get familiar yeah. with what goes into the process and vice versa, right? Yeah. I mean, it helps your resume. Yeah. You know, hey, teams have interest in me, so I have no issue with it. I mean, Greg points this out. You're getting intels and other man's, thanks for wasting my time, Chris. I don't know if it's total waste. Again, you're introduced to a process that might be different and foreign to them. Um, so I, I, I'm just fine with how the Colts have operated here. Is it a bit of a shame, I guess, that Sean Payton wouldn't have an immense amount of interest? Sure, uh, but that's more of the of the Colts doing Kafka and Ryan's to me again, three candidates from teams that played on wild card weekend. We'll see if anybody else joins that list. The Dallas coordinators, uh, Leslie Frazier, Kafka and Ryan's. Those are two names that I think it's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, was told the Colts, and this was several weeks ago, the Colts had heavy interest in D'Amico Ryan's, which is no surprise. I think I think a lot of teams would, of right? all the coordinators. He seems to be the most coveted. He's the one that I name. think Ryan's is the one that, jumped off the page to the most fans now that doesn't mean anything i mean fans don't make the hire but i think there were a lot of people because of him like, as a player no just be, i think his reputation i mean i think people were like excited by that i mean san francisco and what they've done this year i i think kevin that the niners are a team that if you look at what san francisco's doing other than christian mccaffrey you know and obviously debo samuel's a great player but 
they're not a team, part of it because they're on the West Coast, but they're not a team that just jumps out at you like in the sexy factor. We've heard about Philly all year long, right? We hear about, obviously, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes all in the AFC, I realize, all year long. And, and clearly, Dallas is always in the conversation because of the star power, pardon the pun of Dallas. But... I think people are just overall impressed by, wow, San Francisco just has not wavered. They've been consistent all year. They play really well. Overcome a lot of injuries. Yeah, and they don't jump out at you as a star-studded team, even though they have really good players. So I just think that there is kind of a sexiness or a, a, a tip-of-the-cap respect level about the way San Francisco has gone about their year that makes anybody who's on their staff desirable. Now, some would say that, Kevin, that is the biggest stretch in the world. You're lying with this. There's no way that can be true. In the opening segment, we mentioned the Pacers' four-game road trip, Disney on ice over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. We talked about our Disney characters for a few minutes. Uh, Chip Kelly... I believe gave D'Amico Ryans his first head coaching stint in the NFL. Chip Kelly refers to D'Amico Ryans as a Disney character. Which Disney character is D'Amico Ryans in the eyes of Chip Kelly? See, now here's the thing. When you ask me Disney characters, you know, I I don't have kids, so I'm not as aware with the recent Disney movies. So to me, Disney characters are just your core, your... And I get them mixed up with the Looney Tunes sometimes, but you're Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto. That's it, right? Yeah, I, I don't think we're, we would... I think this qualifies like, as a modern-day core Disney character. Don't think Olaf or Elsa. I don't even know if Can Elsa... take a crack at it? So, Mark Dykin should be all over this. Buzz Lightyear. That is a modern-day core character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Buzz Lightyear. Hmm. It's an animal. An animal. Now, hang on. Have you Googled it? Simba? I'm simply looking up. Mark Dykton is hot. Mustafa. Mufasa, correct? Yep. Calls D'Amico Ryan's Mufasa. Now, he's from The Lion King, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to give away spoiler alerts. People have had 30 years to see the film. I've seen the the, the Broadway musical. Uh, One of them, I don't. Oh, you got to see the film. One of them dies, right? Correct. Is yep. it, it's not the move. It's not this fella, is it? Uh, there are some moments there with Scar that things get a bit dicey. I, I I'm not going to reveal that, Jake. I don't want to reveal. Just have for to people. watch the movie. Yeah. Okay. You saw the Broadway show. You should know. Uh, there is a calmness about him, and that if you're around D'Amico Ryan's, you feel like everything's good. T- has a ton of respect for people, um, no matter kind of the background resume. So unbelievable that we just tied in Disney on ice with D'Amico Ryans. I didn't think we'd be going there at some point, but... I'd rather have him than Woody. Like, if they said Woody, that would be of concern to me. I uh, like... Pull my string. I really like the uh, the dinosaur in... Um, Rex? Yeah, Rex. Mm-hmm. I always kind of liked Eeyore when I was a kid. Oh, dear. I'm afraid Eeyore would kind of be a boring offense. It would kind of look like the Colts offense from this year. If Eeyore was the head coach. <laughs> there were times Eeyore was at quarterback. Right? I literally looked like that. I Eeyore, felt like that watch- did work. We'll just run it again. <laughs> I felt like watching Tom Brady last night. He kind of fit in with the Colts quarterbacks this past year. Correct. He's probably a candidate for next year, right? God, don't even say it. Uh, so we're up to 10 candidates now again. Uh, 11 would be Jeff Saturday. Uh, as far as interviews for this week, the Giants coaches, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, they both seem to have kind of a handshake agreement that their focus will be on getting ready for the Eagles Saturday night. Uh, so we're going to have to wait a little bit. And it doesn't look like D'Amico Ryans will interview either this week. Uh, so again, this process is going to take a little bit of time. We'll uh, take your calls on this, 317-239-1070. Get back into Purdue's thrilling victory yesterday in East Lansing. Chuck Pagano joins us in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin Inquiry on a Tuesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You know him as the former Colts head coach. You can also see him on Wish Television over the course of the year providing his analysis. He joins us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline with a return visit to the program. Chuck Pagano joins us in what is an early morning for him, so we certainly appreciate that. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. There are a couple of things that I, I wanted to go over with you, and I think the genesis of the uh, of having you on was we were talking the other day, myself and Kevin, about this, and I thought you'd be a perfect person to give us some perspective. As the Colts are going through and doing these coaching interviews, I became curious of this, and that is exactly what it, a job interview looks like, and you went through it you know, as a head coach. I mean, how much of the interview process is simply questions along the lines of, what would you do in this situation on a fourth and three? And how much of it is more about the personality of an individual when you went through that process? Can you just kind of give us a glimpse how it all how it all works out? Yeah, sure. Um, I think what people are doing now may be a little bit different uh, than my situation. Mine was so late. You know, we had just played in the AFC Championship, lost to you know uh, the Patriots. And then went in, but I think now this first initial initial round is kind of a get to know type of deal, where just what's what's this guy's personality, what's in his DNA, um, maybe share, you know, the organization share their vision a little bit and what they're looking for, and then mostly you know get some background on the individual, some personal stuff, what his philosophy is. Um, how he sees a, a team being, you know, made up, some of those things. So I think it's more of, you know, a lot of, of, of get-to-know stuff. Some teams may go a little bit more in-depth on this initial one, but I think what you're trying to do is, like, when you look at the Colts, they've obviously cast, to use a cliche, right, cast a wide net and had a, a bunch of people in this first week. Most of it, you know, per the rules, is virtual. So they're just trying to, to maybe – maybe eliminate, you know, some of those names, you know, get some guys on and maybe it's just not a fit, but I think it's, it's mostly, you know, is this guy, you know, the leader of men that we heard this guy was, what kind of feel do we have? What's his personality like? Does it look like it'll be a, a fit, you know, with our, with our uh, general manager? Does it look like these two uh, can work uh, side by side in a collaborative effort to make this thing work? And then maybe down the road, guys, it's it's you get into more of the the philosophical stuff of you know how do you how do you see the roster being built? Um, where do you see our team? Can you give us an evaluation of our team, offense, defense, the specialists that you have on the on the team currently? Where do you see the holes uh, in this team? Um, offense, defense, uh, special team. What what's the identity? of this team going to, what's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Can you kind of paint us a, a picture as, as far as that goes? So um, I think those things, you probably get a little bit more in depth. The analytics, as you guys know, pay, you know, play a huge role now um, with some more than others, so to speak. So they might dive into, you know, where are you with, with analytics? You know the job that you're at. How how did that look like in, in your building? How many people were there? How much do you rely on that? How much do you depend on that? Are you going to call plays? You know, because a big deal with a lot of these guys now, especially the offensive guys, the young offensive quarterback guy, quarterback whisperer, so to speak. You know, they they want to call the plays, and then how you're going to manage the game? What's that going to look like? We saw the situation in Denver this year with Nathaniel Hackett and having to go out and hire a Jerry Rossberg uh, two weeks into the season to help him with with game management. So I think those are those are some of the some of the things that uh, are obviously going to be discussed. I can't recall, Coach, and I apologize for this. 
I was trying to think back on this. When you were hired as the head coach of the Colts and Ryan Grigson was hired as the general manager, it was within like a three-week period between the two. So my assumption was that your hire was by Jim Mercer and not necessarily by Ryan Grigson. But the reason I ask that is because we know that Chris Ballard will make a recommendation, but by his own admission, it is Jim Mercer that will be making the hire. Is there a danger in that of getting a coach that is not 100% on par with the general manager? Uh, you know, always. You know, I think that's the, the first thing that they're going to look for. When I came in there, Ryan was there. He was already hired. Ryan, I think, probably with Jim's blessing, um, Ryan gave me that opportunity. And for that, I'm forever grateful. I think that was that was Ryan's. They they had. I think I was. I don't know what number uh, that I was on that list, but I know I was almost dead last as far as guys coming in just because of the time. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, when that thing went down after the AFC Championship game, it wasn't you know two days later that I was in the building at West Fifty Six visiting. You know, Jim was in there. We talked for about an hour. Uh, then Jim, you know, Jim left, and then I had a discussion with with Ryan and 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 Pete Ward uh, was in there, and and some other constituents, uh, guys that have a seat at the table, decision makers. Uh, they're just trying to get as many people in there to get a feel for for you as as a as a person, as a human being, um, and really trying to see, okay, is this marriage uh, going to work? Can these guys work side by side? Jim always talked about the three pillars, you know, the owner, the general manager, and the head coach, and, and those three pillars working uh, collaboratively, side-by-side, side, in concert, singing out of the ha- same hymnal, all the things that you want to use to describe that relationship. But if that relationship, I, again, that's that's got to be, um, you know, very, 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 very important. And I think a lot of the things, because I didn't know, I had no idea really, it was my first time interviewing for a head coaching job, just coming off that game, preparation was minimal. So really didn't have an idea of really the right, you know, questions to ask where I think these guys are more prepared now. They have agents, they have, you know, they, I think they have a, a better heads up of uh, what's coming down the pike and what to ask. Like, okay, who's, who's picking the players, you know, when it comes down to the draft, what, what's that going to look like? Who's going to decide the 53? You know, once we get to the regular season, who's going to decide uh, inactive? Who's going to be up on game day? But the most important thing to me is is that relationship between uh, the GM and and the head coach. And and we've seen you know we've seen some um, you know this year. I mean, just look at you know the Giants and and what happened there with with Brian and, and the GM there. So <clears throat> very very important. And he's Chuck Pagano, and he is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Six years as Colts head coach, 53 and 43 in his time here. Chuck, I, I want to stay there for just a second. Like, your emotions leading into that AFC Championship game. I mean, that was a crazy game. I mean, you guys had a golden opportunity, not to bring up a bad memory, you had a golden opportunity certainly to win that game. And then, can you walk me through maybe like that Saturday, Sunday, Monday of thinking Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, you guys lose in excruciating fashion, and then boom, you're scrambling for this interview. And if I'm not mistaken, like, you know, you had to kind of convince Bruce Arians to be your OC, bring him out of retirement. It's not like you had this locked-in plan necessarily going into the interview. No, it was definitely fly by the seat of your pants, Kevin. I mean, it was it was wild. Like you said, you go up there, um, we've got the ball late in that game. We're down 3, 23-20. Uh, Flacco's taking us down the field, throws what we all thought was a touchdown catch to Lee Evans. If you remember in the corner of the end zone sure. there, and a DB knocked it out right at the uh, same time and called in from incomplete, missed a, a chip shot field goal to go to overtime and and then get home in the late game, get home early early that, that next morning, go in the office. John calls me in, said the cold stock called, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, about what? To your point, I had no idea. They even still had a job open because all of us were so immersed in, in the AFC Championship game, the game itself, preparation, all that stuff. So I had really no idea. And then the next thing you know, you're on the phone. You know, I'm on the phone talking to Ryan, uh, set up an interview, 
send you know hey i need some time uh, to get some things together get some thoughts together and it was like don't worry about it just let's come up let's chat let's get to know each other you know jim wants to meet whatever so you know send the plane down get on the plane next thing you know i'm in the building and and then the rest is the rest is history i mean it was it, it was wild dude do coaches go through Chuck Pagano's our guest on the Payless Cigars Hotline? Are there coaches that go through the process, kind of to avoid? Not, I'm not going to say avoid that situation, coach, but to be prepared for it for the future. So, in other words, is it possible there are coaches that the the Colts are going to talk to that are just kind of familiarizing your, themselves with the process for the future, but not necessarily ready to make the move right now? Um. You know that's a great question. Uh, maybe so, because um, I, I think it's more you know both sides getting to know each other and see if that's the fit for them and, and see what the situation is like. Again, there's only 32 of them, right? And so all these guys, if, if given the opportunity, I find it really hard to believe unless unless they just walk into something and just have this bad bad feeling that this is not going to work this is not for me the situation isn't right uh the circumstances aren't right the roster is not right you only get one shot at this yeah i know that um i can i can jump on this now but as we're seeing you're not given a lot of time anymore there's not a whole lot of patience uh when it comes to comes to these jobs and 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 the owners you know everybody's you know want wants to win and wants to win now it's kind of the Burger King mindset. You know, I want it my way, and I, I want it. I want it now. And and if that and if that doesn't happen, we're seeing unfortunately, you know, more one and dones than we've ever seen. And you guys know better than anybody that it that it takes time, uh, especially uh, depending on where you're at uh, as a football team, where your roster's at. Uh, do you have a, a, a quarterback in place? Uh, that can that can lead your uh, team to a division championship. We all know winning your division is the easiest way to get in the tournament, and then anything can happen from there. So I think there's a, a feeling out process, but I think also, given the fact like we talked about, there's only 32 uh, of these jobs, and I, I you know it'd be hard. I'd be hard pressed to think that if you know that thing was offered, you know I didn't I didn't want to leave. I just got, you know, my dream job in Baltimore as the defensive coordinator there. We had a great team. We had a great team coming back. Shoot, they won the Super Bowl. We played them, obviously, in the wild card round loss. They went on to win a Super Bowl. So I knew what we had there. But Tina was Tina was like, I can't even repeat what she told me. You know, when I told her we were thinking, of, you know, that maybe this wasn't for me. You know, this wasn't our time. Maybe we had more work to do here. And she obviously didn't want that to happen. So... <laughs> called Jim back and said yeah we're coming (laughs) but anyway it was funny was it hard coach and I get it right I mean listen like are you crazy Chuck like here's an opportunity right so you take it is it hard when you were a coordinator and you had a coordinator mindset and then all of a sudden now you're in charge of all sides of the football and special teams and everything else was it hard to wean yourself off of prioritizing that one side of the ball and realizing that you now are in charge of multiple facets. Yeah. So Kevin mentioned that I think it earlier about Bruce Arians and putting the staff together and not having, you know, any idea um, of what that was going to look like from a staff standpoint. So I was very, very fortunate, you know, once, once accepted that job and the dust settled you get done with all the press conferences and interviews and those kind of things, and you start to go to work on, on putting your staff together. Um, and I was, again, very fortunate that Bruce was, was on the street. He was in the middle of uh, what he thought maybe was retirement, driving back and forth with truckloads of stuff to Georgia, to his place down there, him and Chris. Got him on the phone and, and was fortunate enough to get him in there and, and offer a job, and he, he accepted and, uh, so that that side, I didn't have to worry about um, being a defensive-minded coach and, and spending my whole uh, coaching career as an assistant on that side of the ball. And so then, you know, get a guy, Greg Minuski, somebody that, you know, I was very familiar with, my brother had worked with, same philosophy, same kind of system uh, that I was coming from, from the Ravens. So that kind of that kind of mirrored up there and um, – and I didn't want to. I didn't want to 
with all the responsibilities, and then you never know uh, what that entails until you actually sit in that chair. I remember sitting there as soon as everything was done. I'm sitting in Coach Caldwell's old office, and I'm going through all the drawers looking for the head coaching manual that he hopefully left behind. <laughs> like presidents, you know, they leave a little like, letter for you. Yeah, yeah. got to be in here somewhere. <laughs> That's right. What's 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 next? What do we what do we do next? What do we just get ourselves into? And it's just mind boggling the things that that come across your desk that have like zero to do with X's and O's. So I was I was again very fortunate uh, to get Bruce. Uh, to lead that that side of uh, the football, and, and obviously a rookie quarterback and Andrew coming in, and um, his success uh, in that regard with that position in the offensive side, and then and then getting uh, getting Minuski, and and then everything kind of else kind of fell into place. But yeah, there's 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 so there's so much to it that you know it's my belief that whoever you get, I mean they guys don't want to give up the play calling stuff, but they're going to figure out that there's so much there. Uh, to handle, let alone just game day handling. And Lord knows I made my fair share of mistakes, but and that's a work in progress. But just managing uh, those 60 minutes of, of football uh, without having to try to call one side of the ball or the other. Chuck, I know your relationship, and again, Chuck Pagano is with us here on the Pale Sickers Hotline. I know your, your relationship with Jim Mersey means a whole lot off the field and obviously is something that we still see play out today. We had you on before your gala back in the fall. Um, you know, a big question I think that people have about this head coach opening is they felt like Jim Irsay meddled in some pretty serious um, decision-making moments for this franchise over the last 12 months. Uh, when you were here for six years, did you ever get the feeling or sense or see that Jim Irsay was meddling or not allowing Ryan and you to do the jobs you were hired to do? Never. Never. I mean, we had discussions. Look, Jim's been around this his entire life, so he, he knows uh, what it's supposed to look like. He knows how it's supposed to be set up. So those experiences and that wisdom, again, there was a tons, of, tons and tons of conversations about everything uh, involving uh, the team and, and really what, what gave us the best chance to win and what was best for the organization. But not, not one time did he ever uh, tell me or Ryan, this is what we're going to do. This is what you have to do. He just set the expectations and then said, okay, these are the expectations. And, I'm, you know, let us do our job. And so it's a, it's a bottom line business, as we all know. And when you win and you have success, you get to stick around. And, and when you don't, uh, they move on. So, again, Jim is very, very passionate. We know that. He hates losing more than he loves winning. We all know that. And so he's going to share uh, with whoever what, what his vision is, what his expectations are. But then he's going to allow you to do your job. And then it's up to you. It's up to the, the general manager, uh, the staff that you put together, uh, making, making that whole thing work. Final 45 seconds, Coach, and I know you have relationships, presumably probably with a lot of these guys. Just In your heart, or, or just deep down, the guy that you think ultimately the Colts are going to zero in on is who? <laughs> that's a, that's a, a great question, and, and one that I wish I had uh, an answer for, but um, conventional wisdom would say, I mean, we all know, obviously, how much Jim uh, loves Jeff, and you know, so obviously, uh, I would say that that just knowing that relationship, that that Jeff probably is the front runner uh, right now. But there's so many uh, quality uh, candidates. You know, you think about Bienemy and the success that he had. That uh, Evero, the DC. I, I'm just looking at the names that they've already talked to. Aaron Glenn, Ben John, the offensive guys. Uh, you know, Bienemy Johnson, Steichen. Uh, Kafka now with the Giants, the job that he's done there, Brian Dayball and uh, Danny Dimes. When they you know, when they pick it, Coach, we're going to have you back on when they pick it. How's that, right, <laughs> to, to give you a breakdown? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. You guys are going to love Wink Martindale's interview, too. Hopefully he get you get in front of him. You got, I get a little I, B.A. Him. vibes from, from old Wink. No A, no question about it. <laughs> he, he'd, be, he'd be wonderful, but they got a bunch of great ones to talk to, and he'll they'll Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Pick the right guy. So Jake, the final four in the NFC, three of the four teams from the NFC East, first time in NFL history. You've had three of the final four from one division. Really? It's like the 85 Final Four. Yeah, DM mentions this as well. Peyton Hendershot. I, Peyton Hendershot, I forgot about that. And he's from Tri-West. played well for them, right? Yeah, he scored a couple touchdowns yeah. this season. So, yeah, a lot of local connections with the Cowboys. Let's get back into the Colts head coaching search. We'll do that next. Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star covers the Colts alongside Joel Erickson on a daily basis joins us. Now, Nate, let's start with probably the big news from yesterday, and that would be Jim Harbaugh, um, I guess, saying that he's returning to Michigan. We never really heard Harbaugh's name pop up here uh, like it did in Denver and Carolina. What did you make yesterday, the Harbaugh news in relation to Indy Search? Yeah, it was interesting because I felt like we went a while there kind of wondering where Jim Harbaugh was with everything with Michigan, with the Broncos, with any other openings. You know, he's a guy who's season ended uh, just at the start of the month when Michigan got beat by TCU. But it's it's always been hard to read because he he you know he kind of he carves his own path all the time. Uh, so I I always had seen him as a guy that. Uh, that the Colts would be very interested in, but he operates on his own timeline. And yesterday was just another example of that, where, you know, he's obviously been having some conversations with people at Michigan. There's There was incentive for him to, to try and stay there coming off of uh, two straight playoff appearances and uh, two, two wins over Ohio State and feeling like you know, the one thing he hasn't done there yet is uh, win a national title or, or get to the national title game, but they're right on the doorstep. So, Kind of all the leverage is on his side to look across the league and and figure out like is this the time to to make a jump or do I just wait? Do I not like these openings? Do I not like the timing? Or do I think I can get more money or or whatever else he wants at Michigan? He's kind of got that program wrapped around his finger. So it seems like he used the process to get there. I know Denver had talked to him, uh, Carolina talked to him briefly, but I think he was you know he's at a spot where if he's gonna. Uh, if he's going to make that move, if he's going to kind of do that to his alma mater, I think he wanted the right team to be all in for him. And it just didn't work out this season with uh, the Broncos. Uh, they're, they're still zeroed in on Sean Payton heavily. And then um, I, I have a feeling that he didn't look at the other options, the other openings quite as, uh, you know, quite as highly as he did Denver. So he just decided to wait it out. Nate, I want you to tell me why this is the wrong thought process. When I read Jim Harbaugh's statement, which we read earlier here on the air, uh, to me, it did not in any way, shape, or form definitively close any doors. And when I consider the way Jim Irsay at the 11th hour out of completely left field reached out to Jeff Saturday, I don't rule out the possibility that still that overture is made. And I think Jim Harbaugh is a guy whose mind can easily be swayed with the right amount of money, which I think Jim Irsay would be willing to pay. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say not only the amount of money, but the amount of power. That's kind of what has driven things for Harbaugh uh, for a while now. And so, and in his mind, you know, in some ways, money is power in respect. But uh, he is a little unpredictable in that way, and that he's he's always kind of he's always done his own version. You know, he's cut his own path. And so, until Michigan actually comes out with a contract that has, you know, that has a buyout in it that's going to prevent him from actually leaving. I feel like this dance is always going to be kind of there every off season. Even, even moments like now where, you know, there's these indications and hints that he's back, but there's never this sort of, uh, you know, this, this firm line in the sand there. And so, yeah, I think it is a possibility. I still think though, for them to, 
you know, he, he knew this job was coming open for a while now, and he knew that, you know, all that other stuff, all the reasons why you think Harbaugh would be a candidate here, those have been in play for half a season now. So they they would have to really make up a lot of ground in terms of, you know, making this an attractive place for him in terms of money, power, uh, a path forward. Uh, you know, there's a lot that they would have to do. So I don't rule it out either, but – I do think, though, that if if they if they had a real good shot, you know, we wouldn't still still be at this point when he's he's so actively out there making it sound like he's going to come back to Michigan when this job has been a possibility from the jump. Okay, he's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star, covers the Colts, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, if you look at the Colts list right now, put Jeff Sire to the side. You've got ten. Uh, candidates that have been interviewed, one internally, that would be Bubba Ventrone, nine externally. They're, they are all coordinators in the NFL. One as head coaching experience, that would be Raheem Morris. You've got five on defense, four on offense, and as we mentioned, Ventrone is the special teams guy. If I said, give me two that stand out to you of those ten, where does your mind go? Yeah, it's a super interesting list. And uh, for me, I guess the the couple I'm intrigued by, uh, Raheem Morris, is, is super interesting to me. Is always kind of has been. You know, I think he got written off very quickly in his career as a guy who, you know, was a better fit as a coordinator because he got to the Bucks and it, it didn't really work out there. But if you look back on that, he got that job when he was 32 years old. He had Josh Freeman as his quarterback, a franchise that really didn't win anything after uh, after that between really between those two Super Bowls so they got Tom Brady, and I just don't think he was ready to show what he could be as a head coach. And honestly, I look at situations like that kind of more as a positive in the long run if they learn from it and they grow from it and they're better the second time around. You know, there have been coaches like Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick who weren't that good in their first stints and then obviously uh, became much different. What's interesting to me about Raheem Morris is just he's kind of done every element of this. He's been a defense coordinator. He's uh, He's been an offensive coach he's worked in the passing game as a passing game specialist with the falcons and now he's an associate head coach or assistant head coach of the rams won two super bowls and he's the one that i think might have a chance if he came here of keeping the defensive staff because he he worked with gus bradley uh in uh in tampa bay and worked with uh you know linebackers coach richard smith in in atlanta and you know that's yeah, I, I imagine that would at least be on the table, whereas it, it's harder to to kind of see that path forward with a lot of these other guys who probably want to find their own way. So he's really interesting, kind of on a on a little bit more of a leadership level. Just the fact that he he knows so many of these different areas, and I think he could build a really intriguing staff, which is obviously going to be very important. And they may have to replace a lot of them, probably almost all of them on offense, I would imagine. Uh, so so he intrigues me in that sense, and then. A lot of those offensive guys are are interesting, just in you know just just in what they can bring as a designer of an offense, and guys who can kind of build this from the ground floor with a rookie quarterback. And I think guy that's that I've been thinking about more the past couple of days is, is Ben Johnson, the Lions' offensive coordinator, because he kind of came out of nowhere uh, just this past season. But it was such a strong year where the Lions were top five in points and yards, and you know they Jared Goff's their quarterback, so they were very much able to manage what they had and wasn't really carried by uh, by just a just a quarterback. And I think about, like, you look at C.J. Stroud, who, you know, just decided yesterday to enter the draft. Uh, I, I would I would think he's got to be very high on the Colts list in terms of he's just, he just seems to me like more of the type of quarterback Chris Ballard would go for than a Bryce Young. But if you're going to, you know, if you're going to go down that route with C.J. Stroud, what's really important is getting him uh, protected and really um, – you know, kind of getting him multiple different weapons to operate with is kind of as close as you can get to the settings he had at Ohio State, knowing that, of course, you'll never have that talent advantage. Uh, ben Johnson just did a really remarkable job in in Detroit because he had that offensive line structure. That's what Chris Ballard is going to be all about. Of course, we know it didn't work this past year. The offensive line did not live up anywhere close to the expectation. But if you're going to keep Chris Ballard as they are, and move forward with that. I think you're doing it under the mindset of, you know, he's going to continue to build through the offensive line. He made that promise again to us uh, when he talked last week. He's going to have to rebuild it. 
the idea is that that's where his resources and energy is going to be. So can you get someone who's shown that if you can get him an offensive line, can they really do some special things with the uh, with the run game receivers and quarterbacks and tight ends? And I think Ben Johnson's got a great uh, got a great intrigue on that level, even though he's very young. Uh, but but it could be a decent fit. Nate Atkins is our guest. He's on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. He's a Colts beat writer for the Indianapolis Star. Nate, you had a column, oh, a little uh, under a week ago, Insider. In a results-based business, Jeff, Saturday's results don't seem to matter. My question for you is this. Is it possible that in the permanent head coaching search, assuming that Jeff Saturday is interviewed, that the parameters or the expectation or the requests from uh, about him and what they want to see from him are different? than what was placed before him as an interim coach. Yeah, I think everything here is uh, for this season is they're they're just kind of seeing surprising things play out and then deciding what they feel about them. So, obviously they came into the year uh with very high expectations and when especially for an offense, you know, they they really thought that they you know they had it with Matt Ryan adding that passing game element to Jonathan Taylor when it didn't work. Yeah, they reacted very strongly uh, from the top down, from Jim Irsay down, first making the quarterback change to the head coaching change. And certainly there's been a shift in the expectations kind of constantly because when Jeff Saturday first got here, you know, Chris Ballard said we're not throwing in the towel. Um, Jim Irsay talked about how he had to do this to keep uh, the team from cascading toward a collapse. Jeff Saturday said, I'm here to be judged on wins and losses. I'm all about W's and L's. And it's a very different conversation than they're having now that, you know, they, they won the first game, but then they lost seven in a row. And certainly some of the levels they, they fell to with a minus 87-point differential and uh, biggest collapse in NFL history and all of that, they're, they're kind of taking it now more into the context of, well, this was kind of crazy and, and unprecedented to bring a guy in from the outside, give him someone else's staff, ask him to win over that staff when they're down a little bit in numbers and fix an offense that was already broken and try to win that way. Uh, it's You can kind of see where they, where they arrive at some of these conclusions. The process has been very confusing because, like I said, they keep the, the tone keeps changing. If, if Saturday had gotten here and they had said, you know what, this year's broken, Jeff's here to just kind of, you know, kind of learn on the job and audition within – uh, this framework of a team that that really is in a bad spot because that's what happens when you when you fire a coach. We would be looking a little bit differently, and and uh, the results, you know, you could you could buy their thinking a little bit more. But um, the the one of the things that stood out to me that night was you know Jim Mercy said it's not the night that they fired Frank Reich and brought Jeff in. He said it's not just about the losing; it's how you lose. And he was really bothered by how uncompetitive they were in New England, and now he's. He's trying to buy into or, or accept a coach who, who had a lot of those results himself or, you know, blowout losses to uh, the Chargers and the, and the Giants and, uh, and, the, and the Cowboys. And so uh, it's, it's been hard to read exactly how they, you know, where they're at with this, with this in terms of, like, justifying it. Uh, but obviously it's never been traditional. I mean, they brought in someone from the outside. They, they didn't. Uh, they didn't look at resumes and experience levels. That that was never the deciding factor for them, for him to get the job. So uh, it's not that shocking that now that we're here, they're not going to look at it the way that other teams would, where one and seven is kind of the ultimate uh, deciding factor for them. They're gonna they're gonna kind of take their own path to figuring out whether they like this or not. Guinea's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Him and Joel A. Erickson on the Daily Beat over there covering the Colts. They do a tremendous job. Joel, I er, Joel Nate, I um. Probably as soon as I say this, I'm just jinxing myself, but I'm almost expecting kind of a quiet rest of the week for the Colts on the head coaching front. Uh, and feel free to correct me if if you feel dis different. Uh, but when you think about it, you know three new candidates reported interview requests. Both the Giants guys, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, have said they're not going to interview this week with their game on Saturday. Doesn't sound like D'Amico Ryan's will have time to fit the Colts in this week on his interview schedule. So unless we get like a you know, Chris Ballard, Matt Rule interview from 2018. Uh, are you under the impression that, you know, again, maybe a Dallas coordinator, maybe Leslie Frazier, but from an interview standpoint, it sounds like it could be a quiet week unless we get like a second interview from guys from last week. Yeah, I mean, I think 
this cold season has taught us that we can't ever be <laughs> fully sure on anything that's going to happen or not happen. So with that caveat in mind, I do agree with you, though. I, I thought the only way that this would move super quickly was that if they had to get in some kind of bidding war for Jim Harbaugh, um, where they just felt like they had to move now, get their ducks in a row, and not and not let this play out. Uh, of course, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't interviewed with them. Uh, at least hasn't really talked to them that we know of. And then you know, he comes out and says he's staying there. I if, if that if that goes anywhere else, I, I don't think it will happen anytime soon. I think kind of what Jake was saying, it would it would take something at the eleventh hour. So. With that in mind, I do think they're going to let this play out. They've built a really long candidate list, and it just seems to keep growing. You know, it added it, it felt like a whole added a whole round of candidates uh, after the wild card round, and I think it could continue to go that way. Some of the guys you mentioned, uh, Leslie Frazier, uh, Kellen Moore from the Bron- from the Cowboys, is another guy that that maybe he could end up popping up. Uh, so I, I think the plan here is Chris Ballard knows that this is. He knows what's at stake here, and he's trying to do this differently than he's done it before. You know, when they, they settled on Josh McDaniels and waited forever and didn't work out, and then he decided, then he kind of learned uh, the blessing in disguise of that of landing Frank Reich because he hadn't looked at him enough in the beginning because he was, you know, kind of busy working with the Eagles in the playoffs at the time, and he just moved forward with with what he thought he wanted then. So they're talking to all kinds of guys and so many different. Um, so many different ends of, of working in the NFL. What's interesting is we haven't really heard of any college coaches uh, that are that are up for this. Chris Ballard said he was open to it, uh, but um, you know, outside of Jim Harbaugh, maybe that being an intrigue, that hasn't popped up yet. So I, I don't rule anything out as far as new guys entering the picture. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys they have on the list, I expect to be on there, but some of them, I didn't know that they'd be into a guy like Wink Martindale. Um, I didn't know that Aaron Glenn necessarily would be on their list either. So there's just there's guys that they end up liking or they, they maybe come across that they're they're just trying to be as open-minded to as possible, get an interview with them, let them make their case, see if there's a match, see if there's potential. And, you know, and then they have to understand, too, that, like, they're not the only team trying to hire these guys. Like, Ben Johnson's a name that you hear a lot about with the Carolina Panthers. Um, they're, so they're going to be in this – it's kind of an interesting spot here where, you know, if there is a guy they really like, they might, you know, they might risk losing him by dragging the process out. At the same time, though, I think the whole experience of Josh McDaniels kind of taught Chris Ballard that, that sometimes certain things are meant to be and sometimes it can work out anyway. Uh, and, and I think he, he's always kind of shown, you know, he wants to err on the side of patience with big, big decisions. And I don't think this one will be any different. So I wouldn't be surprised if this one extends into February, especially when you consider that, you know, Jeff Saturday, the in-house candidate, other than Bubba Vitron, like Jeff Saturday's on your staff, he's in your building, and that we know of, he's not getting interview requests from anywhere else. So it kind of sets them up to, if they're, they're still intrigued by that possibility, you know, they, they don't feel like they have to rush it, even if obviously some fans and other people on the outside might get a little bit more impatient. Again, Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Going to be a busy man the rest of this month, likely into February as well. Nate, thanks for the time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me.